On the first day of Christmas, the Interleague brought to me the dopest podcast about baseball. Welcome back to the Interleague. As you can hear, the intro is festive this week. And I'd just like to wish all of our listeners, thank you for coming back, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Happy Hanukkah, wherever you celebrate. Have fun. And now enjoy the next eight hours of Alex and I talking about baseball. Alex, are you ready to talk for the next eight hours? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I only figure it's going to be eight hours. I don't know, because we haven't recorded probably like 10 hours worth of content. Like we're probably like 10 hours behind maybe. Maybe uh, way more than that because it was like been a weekly, two hours weekly. And it's been like eight weeks. I don't think it's been that long. I think we've you know, recorded... it's been eight weeks. I think we recorded in November, right? Here, let's see. I don't know. I yeah, just go let's... to episode one or two. Oh yeah, November seventh. Okay. Okay. So it's been like six weeks, but it's pretty it's close. Getting there. It's, it's pretty getting close. Up there. It's getting up there. Yeah. yeah. Not that we didn't now, try, but yeah. You know. To to be fair, we definitely put in a pretty solid effort last week to try to record, and it just didn't work out. Um, yeah. Schedules were not conducive. Um, we had some more hiccups, uh, (laughs) this week where we were going to go Monday and then that got changed to tonight. And then I thought you fell asleep tonight because I had texted you a couple of baseball related things and you didn't text me back. And I was like, well, he woke up at five o'clock in the morning. Maybe he's like, oh, I'm going to take a nap or maybe he was just doing something. So I was like, all right, let's see here. And then you texted back pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I was been kind of helping out Katie since she got home from her little operation today and then was making dinner and like getting food together for her because she's not like she really shouldn't eat anything too solid she needs to eat like soft foods yeah so um but yeah so i was yeah so i was doing all that and then i like after i got done eating i kind of made my way down Mm. And was us typing away some notes and you know every player that's ever signed a contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. <laughs> yeah, it has a very long list. But uh, no, I think it. I think it's a good sign. I think it's good for baseball that uh, you know, free agency or like the hot stove as they call it, you know, has been has been as busy as it is. Um, I mean, there are even like some signings pretty early on, like closer to like the Thanksgiving holiday that were at least noteworthy. Um, and then like stuff into the winter meetings and like, got like getting started pretty early and it just hasn't really slowed down since then. Um, you know, I feel like it's like every other day or so, like every two or three days that there's, there was another big contract signed. Um, it's it's kind of winding down. There it there just aren't as many high end free agents available anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwindling for sure. Yeah, so it was uh, it was bound to to slow down eventually. Um, but I mean, I, I think that there's still quite a bit 
you know, being buzzed around. You know, like, uh, like there's pretty common talks about, like, uh, Brian Reynolds being top on the Yankees list of, you know, outfield additions to go along with Judge and Bader. Um, you know, there's been talks of, like, the Yankees potentially moving IKF and trying to find a home for Hicks or Donaldson. Um, you know, there, there's just, like, a lot... a lot going on. Like, not even for the free agent market, just trade still. Um, yeah. And there's still plenty of guys, like, worth mentioning. Like, again, they're not... They're not going to be your, your oh, this makes a, a team a contender type guys, but I mean, there's still players out there that teams could sign at maybe, you know, some, some team friendly deals. Um, and I think that that's, that might be where things start to go is, you know, like there, there's guys like looking at the catcher position, for example, you have guys like, Gary Sanchez, who, you know, yes, defensively not that great. He's had some down years offensively, but he's 30 years old. You know, in terms of war over the last two seasons, he was like the fourth best catcher available on the market. He's now the best catcher available on the market. Um, and it's like his, his two point eight. Coming back home. I sure hope not. Uh, <laughs> his 2.8 war, I and mean, it's only like, like, in comparison, like Wilson Contreras's war was 5.5 over the last two seasons, and he got the big deal with the Cardinals. So oh, yeah. three wins over replacement, three wins above replacement difference between Contreras and Sanchez over the last two seasons, and you know, so it's like if you can get Gary Sanchez on like a two year, $22 million deal or like two year, $18 million deal, something like that. Like I, I think that there's a, a handful of teams that it would make sense to take that kind of flyer. Um, and I, I think on it, like, you know, it would be teams like your, um, like Baltimore, Oakland, um, Minnesota, bringing him back. Um, you know, teams like Cincinnati that maybe could utilize a DH. You know, like to to have that type of position. Yep. Um, it's like you could find a home for him. Um, and then Tucker Barnhart's a little older, thirty-two. His WAR's a little lower, but he won the the Gold Glove at catcher position two or three years ago. So not far removed from that. Um, switch Terry Sanchez hitting bombs in Pittsburgh. Sorry. Yeah. No, but like it, exactly like that's that's what I'm saying. Like it yeah. might be because no one else wants to to offer him anything. You know, like you could get a team that comes in like Pittsburgh, and they they might just be like, hey, we'll give you one year for eight million dollars, one year for six million dollars, and if there's yeah. no other teams willing to sign him. Then essentially Sanchez can try and say like, yeah, like I'll go play here, get every day at bats, and I'll try to play for my next contract. Like, all yep. I'm gonna worry about is figuring out my shit. Like, there's zero pressure. No one expects this team to do anything. I'm just gonna go out there and try to make a name for myself. Yeah. Um, 
And if you get a whole bunch of guys that kind of go that route, like not that they're in the selfish manner that like, I'm only going to focus on myself. Fuck what this team's all about. But that they're just trying to like no pressure, do the little things and get back out there. Um, you know, get back relevant in the sport. I, I think you could see a team be dangerous, you know, when you piece together guys like that. Um, and there's, there's a lot of them. Like it, it's not just that catcher. I mean, like you still have like Brandon Belt, Yuli Gurriel, Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, Brandon Belt's a good hitter too, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, Miguel Sano, who like, again, like the, his war is not that amazing, but he's only 30. Um, he has bombs. You know, Gene Segura still available. He had a 5.1 war over the last two years. Tops on among second basemen that were available on the market this year. Um, Josh Harrison still available. Cesar Hernandez still available. They both had wars over two over the last two seasons. Um, Elvis Andrews and Jose Iglesias are both still available. Um, Andrews is also north of five in war. Uh, Brandon Drury still out there. Um, Evan Longoria could be a good pickup. Brian Anderson could be a good pickup for somebody. Um, you know, Adam Duvall, AJ Pollock, David Peralta, Robbie Grossman, Jerks and Perfar, Fam Dickerson. Like there is outfielders. You got Adubel Herrera as an outfielder, Lorenzo Kane, Kevin Pillar. Like Jackie Bradley Jr. is still a free agent. Will Myers, yeah, Tyler Naquin, uh, Michael Conforto, you know, Cole Calhoun. Like a, there's going to be a lot of guys with no jobs this <laughs> yeah. year. It's really the problem. Uh, the list you're going down there right there is yeah. a lot of those guys just aren't going to have jobs this year, man. Right. McCutcheon, uh, Trey Mancini um, is still available. Luke Voigt still a free agent. So it's like, yeah, like, these guys aren't – they aren't your run-of-the-mill all-star MVP type guys. But these are some solid depth pieces that teams can add. You know, like if you're a team that you're like, hey, we need a fourth outfielder, like we were just talking about before we recorded, like San Diego. Like if San Diego took a flyer on like Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, like, okay, like you can play every outfield position. Like you can swing the bat well. Like you could bat if you're if you're at the top of your game, you could easily bat at the top of the lineup. If not, you easily slot into the bottom end of a lineup. And granted, he hasn't been amazing. Like, he hasn't been that great. But you take a chance if it's, you know, it's like it. It's a lot of these guys, like, very similar to, like, what the Corey Dickerson deal was with the Cardinals last year. Like, one year, $5 million. Like, here you go. Like, here's an opportunity. Like, we'll give you a shot coming out of spring training. And as long as you perform, the job's yours. And then it'll just give us time to develop. Um. You know, but like the wins above replacement, like, yeah, they're not, they're not eye popping, you know, but like, like what in comparison? I mean, they're support guys though. Yeah. But, but it's not even, and it's not even to that regard. So like Mitch Hanniger, we were both pretty high on, we would agree. He's not a a support guy. Like he's a solid starting outfielder for a team. Yeah. 32 years old, 3.3 war over the last two seasons. Will Myers, 32 years old, 3.0 war over the last two seasons. So it's like, yes, if, if you're only looking at war, they seem like the same player. They're not necessarily same, same, 
but I think war gives like the most benefit of, okay, like you're a little more defensively prone, like, okay, like you maybe hit for more contact where this guy hits for more power. So maybe yeah. it doesn't fit in every lineup, but it is, it is an option. Like it's still a guy that's out there. I don't know what they're looking for, you know, but you would think like, or, or at least for me, like the, the mindset I would have would be taking a contract. That's like, say I want three years, 30 million and no one will offer me that. And someone's offering me like one year, 9 million. If that's my best offer, my choices are either take that or don't play baseball. Like, and I would think that the mindset would be, I, like, I'm not ready to end playing this game. So I would like to continue to play baseball. Cause like some of these guys aren't that old. Like if you figure like 35 is you're getting up there in age in baseball, you know, like you're like just in the outfielders that we are looking at. So for guys that had a positive war over the last two seasons, let's say not just positive, let's say they're at a 1.0 or higher over the last two seasons that are younger than the age of 35. So they will not be turning 35 during this upcoming season. So you have Michael Conforto, Tyler Naquin, Will Myers, um, Rafael Ortega, Adubel Herrera, Bradley Zimmer, Adam Engel, um, Adam Duvall, AJ Pollock, or well, Pollock's turned 35, so scratch him. So Adam Duvall, Robbie Ghost, uh, Robbie Grossman, Jerks and Prafar, Corey Dickerson. So it's like nine guys just in the outfield. You know, um, and then if you want to consider like Trey Mancini an outfielder, even though he primarily is DH'd, you know, yeah. he, so you're, you're call like an even 10 guys just in the outfield that have a positive war over the last two seasons and are going to be under the age of 35. Like though, those seem like pretty, pretty good solutions for like, all right, we're, you know, we're going to uh, sign this veteran you know, in this, this regard or whatever. Um, you know, look, looking at even like we talked, I mentioned like Andrews and Iglesias, and like Alcides Escobar, but like Andrew Elton Simmons is still a free agent. Like Marwin Gonzalez, Didi Gregorius. Like these are guys that had good years. Like Gregorius is a former all-star, 33 years old. You know, left-handed, power bat, shortstop. And yep, his numbers dropped off, but how much of that dropped off because of the shift? So with that going away, does DD become a more prominent hitter again? Good call. Good call. You know, like uh, Marwin Gonzalez, one of the big perks that he had was that he plays multiple positions and he can steal bases. Well, with the bases being larger and there being the limit on how often you can throw over, does he like does stealing bases become a bigger deal? So like are guys like um uh who was I thinking? Uh like Jake Marisnik and Travis Jankowski, who were really fast 
on the old base pass, like, do they become even more prominent because the likelihood of them stealing bases is good? So, like, you know, the Billy Hamiltons of the world, like, are they going to be more relevant? Where, like, if you can just get on base and a walk becomes a double on a regular basis, does that add value to a player? Like, are we going to see a shift in the strikeout or home run and have it go to something else because hitting for average can become a more prominent thing now with the shift going away. Um, so it, it just, it's, it's crazy to me that there's all these guys out there um, and it's not just position players. I mean, like Nathan Eovaldi is still a free agent, 6.7 more. Like he was fourth among all starting pitchers that were on the free agent market, 33 years old still a free agent like that that probably makes any team's rotation better uh we were just talking about san diego how they have three guys they sign eovaldi like that's a fourth guy like that that's a that's a big difference like if they have nathan eovaldi instead of adrian morjan and they're starting five uh Corey kluber a little bit older but four and a half four like he was one two three four five six seven eight ninth among free agent starters um, you know, Wade Miley. Because these guys just like think they're wanting too much money, or maybe, uh... yeah, I, I, I don't know, but like I said, like I, I would think like anything else that as the season gets closer, guys are willing to take less years or less money to try to get that chance. Maybe some guys won't. Like if Rich Hill doesn't get a contract that he thinks is worth it, he might retire. He's forty-two years old, or he's going to be forty-two. Granky's mm-hmm. gonna be 38. Maybe he just retires. But like Michael Waka, we yeah. liked Waka last year. That's yeah. I said he can come back to the Cardinals. Um, you know, 2.64. Uh, it was like top 15, top 20 among free agents that are available. Um, Boston's best pitcher last year. Yeah, and if you look at it, it was like just guys that haven't signed a contract. You have Eovaldi, Kluber, Miley. Hill, Granky, Waka. Like some guys that have signed contracts that are what they had less war than Waka. Uh, Andrew Heaney, Noah Syndergaard, Jordan Lyles, Trevor Williams, Matthew Boyd, Michael Lorenzen, Ryan Yarbrough, Jose Urena, Mike Clevenger. <laughs> like there's just a couple, but like they're still like. Chase Anderson, who had a really solid year last year with Milwaukee, still available. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, still available. Um, Carlos Martinez. Waka was 11-2 with a 3-3-2 ERA and a 7.4 strikeouts per nine last year. Now, he only pitched 127 innings. He did miss some time, but I think you just got to manage him a little bit. I don't, you know. So he's, I don't think he's ever going to play a full season, but you definitely get some innings in that late in reliever out of him or that late in starter out of him. Yeah. Um, dude, Carlos Martinez, you signing Carlos Martinez? No, I'm, I, I am not saying that depending on the deal, the the, the deal could make sense. Like, I don't think he will ever be a starter at the major league level. But he was very effective in the bullpen. Like when he closed for the yeah. Cardinals, he was very effective. Yeah. He He's is right. He is a good pitcher. Like he, he's like, yes. Or I, I should say he showed flashes of being a good pitcher at the major league level. Maybe it's mechanical. Maybe he had to figure some shit out. Maybe 
it was like whatever um like a number of things that it could have been i don't know if you're watching the hockey game right now but that saved by grace just then was fucking insane i have it up on another monitor i wasn't paying attention that was just I call him penalty on the blues. Sorry. Anyway. Um, but yeah. So like uh, Michael Pineda, Dylan Bundy, Chris Archer, Aaron Sanchez, all those guys have better war over the last two seasons than Mike Clevenger. Um, you know, who's already signed uh, in the, like in terms of relief pitchers, like, you still have Craig Kimbrell available, Taylor Rogers, Michael Fulmer, Chad Green, um, Matt Whistler, uh, Luke Weaver, still a free agent available, uh, Jake McGee, who's had a lot of success as a closer at the major league level, uh, Corey Knable, um, Archie Bradley, Araldis uh, Chapman, still a free agent, uh, Zach Britton, still a free agent, Brad Hand, Alex Reyes is still a free agent. Um, God, Will Smith is still so a free much for agent. Alex Reyes that year. Yeah, so much for Alex Reyes. Yeah. yeah, Will Smith is still a free agent. Um, Jury's Familia is still a free agent, who's a former closer. Uh, Camped Rosen, a former closer, is still a free agent. You have guys like Greg Holland, who've been around for a while. Um, hasn't been as great as of late, but is still a free agent. Sergio Romo, Ian Kennedy, both still free agents. Dude, how like, old is Sergio Romo? 40. Okay. <laughs> but, but as a relief pitcher, like a one year, $3 million deal, isn't yeah. the end of the world for a guy that like could come in and get some big strikeouts. You yeah, know, for like, sure. I, just, I feel like I've heard his name forever. <laughs> yeah, even, probably. It's probably probably been like 15, 20 years, I feel. Yeah. Way right. <clears throat> and, you know. Yeah. So, so I'm saying like if you think about like all of the signings that you've heard about, and then there's still probably enough to sign an entire team of players that, in my opinion, would like rival the Cincinnati Reds and talent. Yeah. Easily. You know, that that wouldn't be like if you put them all together, they wouldn't be the worst team in the major leagues. So there are plenty of those accent pieces, plenty of those depth pieces that can still be signed. It's just not going to be your team or my team because they suck at roster management. <laughs> so like they're already all full up. And that's where like, like for me, they... Like, they went out and, like, they got uh, Kiner Falefa and Josh Donaldson. And I would think that I would just as easily be happy if the Yankees had, like, Brandon Drury and Jose Iglesias. Or Brandon Drury and, like, Andrelton Simmons. And I think that they would be just as productive... Um, or even like Brandon Drury and Elvis Andrews. Like, I think that they would have been just as productive, you know, offensively and defensively, but they would have cost the Yankees a third of the price. Like, you could probably sign Andrews and Drury and another player, you know, like, like for the same amount. Like, you could probably get, 
Drury, Andrews, and Will Myers for the same amount of money as you're currently paying Josh Donaldson. And it's like that, that was like the issue that I took with, um, you know, the Donaldson trade. It was like bringing in, you know, bring, bringing in that contract and it being like, okay, well, we needed to get rid of Gary Sanchez. Like, like that's not, it wasn't same, same. You know, like it wasn't one bad contract for another. You just took on a bad contract and you gave up Urshela and you got two guys that were meh. You know, and like, don't get me wrong, like I had no problem with the IKF trade. I liked bringing him in. Yeah. Even though he didn't, didn't produce, he didn't perform yeah. really, but I hated bringing Donaldson in. Um, and then like I was on board with Rizzo. Um, couldn't stay healthy really, and it showed at times. And then, yeah, I you're they brought him back. <clears throat> so they're just they're just in this weird spot, but again, like they like the forty man is kind of set. Like they sort of have, uh, like their guys. Yeah, like the, the, this is this is who. This is who we're taking to the dance. And this is what we're going to roll with. Um, I said the only the only thing I've heard of um, outside of like where they're currently at is like Brian Reynolds. It's really like the only name I've heard, you know, getting tossed around. Um, and Pittsburgh doesn't want to deal him. Right. Or at least playing hardball. Yeah, probably one or the other. I don't I don't know. Or think it might get more like, hey, we're gonna sell tickets with Brian Reynolds at the beginning of the year and we're gonna trade him at the deadline. <laughs> Definitely possible. Not that like Brian Reynolds is some like ticket getter, but I mean, he's gonna hit. Uh he's gonna be an above average hitter. He's gonna be for the Pittsburgh Pirates an exciting part of their <laughs> yes. lineup. Although they have O'Neill Cruz. The I mean Pittsburgh young eh, I guess maybe I'm hating on them a little bit. They're probably not going to, like, you know, win the division by any means. But, like, young, they got some young talent on that team. So, to have, like, a, a guy like that around might be good for them anyway. So, you know, I guess I can't knock them being completely serious. They got they got a guy or two. They got, they got more than one guy. So, this goal that Seattle just scored. Yeah, I'm looking over and he's dapping up all his dudes. Was such an unlucky bounce. <laughs> that led to the scoring opportunity, but then such a heads up hockey play to get this into the net. Like when you can see the replay, check it out. Oh, like it's geez. insane. Oh, oh, mm. like it takes this bounce, like shot in, hits a defender, hits O'Reilly. One, yeah, and then just one hand. Yeah, hits O'Reilly, bounces over to the corner, and he just sticks his stick out and pokes it perfectly into the net. Like, it was clearly intentional, just a good play. Yeah, well executed. Good reaction for show. I was like, oh, I can get to that. Yeah, I think I want to say I think the Blues were out shot, out, out, out shot. Jesus Christ, my God, yeah, <laughs> out shot. I think nine to eight in the first period, and they are currently being out shot twenty-one to eight. 
So I like yeah. based on It'll... my based on my math or my assumption for what I think the numbers were, the Blues have zero shots on goal through the first half of the second period. So ten minutes without a shot on goal. Hey, the more passing you do, the more goals you score, don't you think? And it might not even be full passing, but, you know, don't shoot. Hey, we got a shot on goal there. That's all that matters. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't really – I didn't really have an agenda per se. It was It was mainly just talking about, you know, roster additions and subtractions and – just kind of a, a nice little winter update with uh, where we're at. <clears throat> um, like I said, I, I had been kind of just tracking the, the big signings, or not, not necessarily as big signings, but kind of notable signings, player names that like are recognizable. Um, and there's been a ton, um, and it's been pretty spread out. Um, yeah, so, so I guess that that's just, uh, I I think it's only a positive. It's been a riveting off season. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I think the most interesting aspect for me, um, like if you if you see the teams that are kind of bringing guys in, so in the AL, a lot of like the the bigger signings have been, like, Houston has signed a couple guys, Toronto signed a couple guys, uh, Cleveland's made some moves, Boston's made some moves, Yankees have signed some guys. Um, you know, but it, it is your your perennial playoff teams in the AL have continued to be aggressive and tried to get better. <clears throat> in the NL, you have had that same thing, but then also those teams that were like on the outskirts of the playoffs just barely, because it's like, Steve Cohen has been spending like a madman. You know, like he's treating it like we have, you know, we need, we need to meet our deductible. Like I got to spend this much money so I can get my next level of tax write-offs or something uh, with the amount of money he is, he is forking over right now in free agency. Oh yeah. Uh, but they were a playoff team. Where his mouth is, though, you know. <laughs> Padres have also been aggressive. Um, you know, bring in some big name guys. Like I said, Suarez. They brought in Bogarts. Uh, they just signed Carpenter, who's not not anything like amazing, but he could be good. Um, but they're they also signed Brandon Drury. Oh, did that just happen? Uh huh. Oh, so there you go. So that adds adds some more depth. I guess they're just getting ready for uh for Machado to opt out, um, and they'll be getting Tatis Jr. back at some point. They were without him pretty much all last year, so that's kind of like a free agent signing. 
Because um, what it was... Full year of Soto. Full year of Soto. Because um, what it was Philly and Houston in the World Series. Mm-hmm. And San yep. Diego was in the... They lost in the NLCS. So they have some additions. Uh, the Phillies, they signed Taiwan Walker. They signed Trey Turner. Yeah, the um, Phillies only got better. Yeah, so they got better. Um, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're they're making some moves. They're adding some pieces. Maybe did you not. See the last four shortstops that have played for the Dodgers. I did not. It's nasty, dude. Trey Turner. I guess Machado played for the shortstops for the Dodgers for a little bit. Yeah, he he had uh, got traded to the Dodgers and then he signed with San Diego. Um, and then the other two were also just like. Their, all their contracts are just, like, ridiculously large. It's like, man, I wish I was the shortstop for the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who else they... Dodgers. They have there. Because what? Machado would have been, like, 2018. So who would have been their shortstop? See if I can look this back up. I'm sure I would recognize it. Um, but while you're looking that up, <clears throat> yeah, then like so the the Mets brought you know Edwin Diaz back, and then they signed Verlander, and they signed Jose Quintana, and they brought him they brought Brandon Nimmo back, and they signed Kodai Senga, um, coming over from I think from. Korea, he could have been Japan, but coming from overseas, um, and then they like quietly signed Omar Navar- uh, Narvaez, Narvaez, I, um, as like their uh, potential backup to McCann if he continues his struggles. So they quietly got better, um, you know, for for what for what you could. I mean, Scherzer. Verlander is a one-two. Yes, they lost to Grom, but Scherzer, Scherzer, Verlander, in some sort of combination, um, they, um, Chris Bassett went elsewhere, but they brought in, um, I said they brought in Quintana, who's like a good option at the back end of a of a rotation. You know, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, Atlanta, they uh, traded William Contreras, so they brought in Sean Murphy, so they got a little bit better. They're also you know going to be healthy. Um, they were without Ozzy Albies for most of the year, <clears throat> and they were a playoff team. Yeah, you know, so you're like, all right, like. The teams that made the playoffs all kind of got better. Uh, Cardinals added Wilson Contreras. That's kind of it. They brought Wayno back. Um, you know, but but pretty minimal, pretty minimal additions from the Cardinals. Yeah. We'll get signed the well, you know. You know, they signed a big name player in a position that they were already paying a bunch of money to. So. Yeah, 
we'll we'll get into here in a second like whether whether we think our teams are actually better with the meal the deals that they made compared to last year um but so so all of that like everything that i'm calling out so i think the big difference in the nl side is the giants have also been very prominent um milwaukee has made some moves um Granted, maybe in the opposite direction, like they traded Hunter Renfro uh, to the Angels and they got like three prospects back, traded Colton Wong to the Mariners, got Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro back. So Toro likely slots in the Colton Wong spot, Winker slots into the outfield where Renfro was playing. So they pro like, so I think they got a little younger, maybe not as high of a ceiling with those guys with Winker and Toro, but then they added the three prospects in addition. Um, so that's one of the teams that was just, just outside the playoffs that made some additions. Um, the Giants signed Mitch Hanniger, the Giants signed Sean Manaya, the Giants signed Ross Stripling, the Giants had signed Carlos Correa, but then there was a failed physical, so that deal got voided. Doesn't mean that he won't sign with the Giants, just it may not be the 13 years, $350 million that they initially offered him. And when, when Chris, no, yeah, Chris Bryant's still there, yeah? Uh, he's in Colorado. Colorado, that's right, he went to Colorado. Yeah. Um. But so so a lot of a, a lot of changes for the Giants who were another non-playoff team, and then the Cubs. Cubs signed Cody Bellinger, Cubs signed Jamison Tyon, Cubs signed Dansby Swanson. Like that, those are some pretty significant changes um, for a team that like, yes, they they weren't amazing by any means. Um, I think they finished third in the central. Yeah, they finished 74 and 88. Uh, so not, not great. They were 13 games back in the wild card. Um, but they were starting to try like to put it together. They finished eight and two, um, like to end the season. So they were winning some games down the stretch. Uh, I don't know what their depth looks like, but. You know, if Bellinger gets back to form and Swanson continues, you know, to hit the way he did last year, like those are going to be some good additions, you know, to go along. $25 million a year for Swanson, dude. It's like a slap in the face, dude. I can't wait for Cardinals fans to watch how good of a hitter he is and then be like, well, it's okay. At least the Cubs suck. (laughs) Yeah, but you guys were actively against not having Dansby Swanson on your team. so yeah. Um, yeah, so, so Atlanta improved themselves slightly. The Mets, I think, you know, at least, at least hold, held suit. Uh, Philadelphia got better. Uh, San Diego is probably about the same. I mean, they, they only won 89 games last year, so they weren't like, they didn't wow anyone, but you know, they went to the NLCS, so they're obviously a good team. Um, so they might be in that same boat, well, but they won't have to play the Dodgers as many times this year. So <laughs> very true. Um, yeah. So so ultimately, though, of the six teams that made the playoffs, 
I think all six of them, with maybe the exception of the Dodgers, the Dodgers haven't really done much uh, to make themselves better, given that, like, Turner left. Um, I know, like, they, like, re-signed Kershaw. But I, I just don't know. I'm drawing a blank on, like, if they did anything, really. I know they brought in Syndergaard, but I don't know that they did anything to, like, replace Turner. Because both Justin and Trey Turner signed elsewhere. So I don't know what they're going to do on the left side of their infield. So maybe the Dodgers aren't as good, but they won 111 games last year. So maybe they just come back down <laughs> to reality. And, like, yeah. they're a 95 to 100 win team. Sure. But you have, so Atlanta, the Mets, Philly, San Diego, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals all did something to improve themselves in some regard um, with where they were given the end of the season with free agency and whatnot. But then so did Milwaukee, Chicago, and San Francisco. So you have three new teams that are very clearly pushing to make the playoffs in the NL. And it it wasn't like it wasn't like this, you know, large like large runaway aspect of it. You know, Milwaukee only missed the playoffs by a game. The Giants were only six games out of a wild card spot behind uh, Philadelphia. So like they they these teams were right there. Could become very competitive. Milwaukee was only seven games back in the Central. So things go slightly different. You know, uh, it's it, it just the NL could be very deep. It could be very dangerous. Um, just a lot of moves of guys going into the NL, in my opinion. Uh, the AL, I think, it's like you saw like the Angels in Texas made some additions. The White Sox, I think, will be a better team um, just because I think that they underperformed. Boston made some additions. Um, but I think Tampa Bay is going to be worse. Um, all right, this game's over. I don't know what's going on with these damn breakaways, but I'm tired of watching it. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Ugh. Like, I don't know what we expect Rice to do when these guys are coming in on breakaways. That's you know, every other shot. It's a breakaway, it seems. Yeah, no defense. Yeah. Just no one marked him. Who is that? Letty? I don't know what Letty was doing. <laughs> just relax skating? Yeah, just let that guy sneak in way behind him. Uh, God. Uh, that's what Burgamy's been yelled about, is they just aren't competitive, and like that isn't competitive hockey. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> yeah, so, so I think that that's been like my my big takeaway from this off season is it just it seems like there are a fair number of teams making moves. It's not just like, all right, let's let's stand pat. You know, even Houston who who won the World Series, like they started with, you know. I, moving away from Yuli Gurriel and signed Jose Abreu, who's like one of the better young first basemen in the league. And yep. that deal happened like pre-winter meetings. 
you know, they just won a World Series. Like, if any team had zero pressure to make moves, it was the Astros, and they waited, wasted no time, and they signed a Brayu like three years, fifty-eight million. It's like a decent deal, almost twenty million a year, but wasted no time to do it. Um, Oh, and I forgot, uh, Seattle also traded for Teoscar Hernandez. So that's that's the yeah. the other guy. So I think they got Yeah, I think they got Colton Wong and they gave up Jesse Winker, but then they brought in Teoscar Hernandez to fill that outfield slot. So they're another team that I think is is gonna be Potentially a little better, and they were a 90-win team last year. Was Teoscar Hernandez your keeper last year? Um, you just drafted him again. I think I just drafted him again. Oh. I know you're a Teoscar Hernandez fan. Yeah, it'll be nice to be able to root for him and not have him beat the shit out of the Yankees 19 times a year. Yeah, that's fair. Now that he's in Seattle. Yeah, because the Blue Jays um, have a way with the Yankees. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. Especially if Garrett Cole's on them. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, and they brought in, like they signed Kevin Kiermeyer. the Blue Jays did. They also brought in Chris Bassett. Um, so just some, some quiet signings. Uh, man like Cleveland unexpectedly won a whole bunch of games won the central youngest team in baseball they brought in like Josh Bell they signed Mike Zanino like nothing flashy like they aren't these amazing signings but just all right like here this is what we're going to do um well-managed squad you know we just need some guys yeah like and uh a perfect Man, example of stuff we were throwing out. Do what? You turned off the game already? Yeah. Yeah, I'm turning off the game now, but... Oh, is it 4 nothing now? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's like two completely different teams. The real Blues are just still north in Canada. And this, yeah. this you know, oh, this is fall, just you know oh, fallacy this of a team. Had... Oh, my God. <laughs> They scored from behind the net. The guy shot it from behind the net. It's greasy, and it goes off Greasy's foot and goes in the net. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, but, yeah, you know, so, like, the the types of signings that we were talking about with, like, Gary Sanchez, stuff like that. Uh, so the Pirates have signed, like, signed Carlos Santana. You know, veteran, could, could kind of get back to his old ways. It's not going to kill you. First base DH kind of guy. You know, could be fun to watch. Help bring the young kids around. But one year, $7 million deal. Yeah. Seem, seems reasonable. Yeah. You know, it's like not not everything needs to be this this huge signing um, to get stuff done.
You good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking through stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're good. I didn't know if you stopped there mid sentence. Oh, you know, we're just you know a little, you know, we're a little podcast rusty. You know? Yeah. That's, and then I that's thought that you sneezed, and then I was like, "Do you <laughs> sneeze? Is it coming back?" <laughs> no. Yeah, I it, it has been a long day. So I, I'm not gonna say I'm not tired. <laughs> well, that's why I thought you were sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I, I know I, what time you woke up. I, I'm just gonna be talking. You're just gonna be like, yeah. So just at like the end of the day, like, just gonna talk sleep. Just, just start. Like, just immediately falls. Yep. Just bouncing in my jumper, and then next thing I know, I'm sleeping. You fell asleep in it again today. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cause he figured it out, man. He's like, all right, let's get. He's like, if I get it going real good. And then I stop, like that residual, that residual motion will just rock me to sleep, and then I'm out. Yep. He's got it down to a science now. Yep. Easy nap. Easy. Um, yeah. So, so still, I still think there's plenty to come. I think there'll be a lot of signings. I think as we get into the new year, uh, as teams start to get closer to reporting to camp. I think you'll see some some additions, um, you know, especially when guys do report and you start to find out about like, you know, the this year's Fernando Tatis injury where it's like, oh, oh, you fucked your wrist up water skiing, you know, jet skiing in the off season. I didn't even know. So you'll have those things that, that happen um, or. You know, there, there will be, like, spring training roster, like, non-roster invitees that just don't pan out. And, or you're like, oh, okay, like, we got to look at this kid, and we just don't think he's ready. So we're going to send him down to the minors, and we have one or two bullpen arms that we can make available. Um, and, again, I think it just depends on the cost of where these guys are at. And I would think that, like, yeah, I go roll this Chapman who just had a, monstrously overpaid deal with the Yankees you're yeah you're not you don't want to give him you know 15 to 20 million a year but if he's willing to sign uh you know like one year 10 million you know one year 8 million and you know maybe incentives if he like has 65 appearances and records like 30 saves or more or something you know like okay like if you have you know if you record 30 saves or more we'll give you a million if you have 65 appearances or more we'll give you a million you know something along those lines so like it, it could be 10 million or it could get up to 12 million something like that i i think that there's plenty of possibility for those things to take place uh so i i think that there will be a gang of people still signed between now and opening day. Um, so a lot of teams will, will look a little different than what they do right now. Um, where are we at time-wise? Oh, we're like 50 minutes. So yeah. so I guess the, the big question for us then with, with our respective camps is how do we feel the team looks right now compared to where they were at like I don't know, like call it like the last couple months of last season yeah you know maybe like post trade deadline type stuff it's like august september of the regular season 
what is what does that comparison look like for me the cardinals um so i'm trying to be opt where i'm trying to be optimistic is that they continue to not sign any pitchers and then i have to remember that i mean the cardinals in a lot of statistics were a top 10 pitching team throughout most of the year it might have not always like been super pretty or it might have been like different guys here and there but one thing they were able to do was like pitch well when it counted um and at least given that the pitching would carry them at times but then i mean they didn't um we're gonna have a new pitching coach this year as well so that I think that's a lot of new coaches. Side. Yeah, a lot of new coaches. Um, but specifically that pitching room, you know, like it's, you know, was, you're getting a lot of new faces there. You're obviously going to get, you know, somewhat of a new uh, mentality. What's that going to look like? Um, do you guys adapt to it really quickly? Um, does that work out for everybody, you know? So, you know, the pitching does have me kind of worried. Um, but it was a top, it was top ten pitching team last year, so you know I have to just see how that one is. And then I really think you know the team obviously they're <laughs> playoffs over and over again. They don't score runs, um, so signing Wilson Contreras is obviously great. Um, it's probably going to hit better than Yachty did the last couple of years. It's a huge upgrade to that spot. Um, but then I mean you got the same guys that you had last year. Um, so I just don't, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, this team is that much better. You know, like if we would have went out and signed a shortstop or at least looked at the position, not even just, you know, one of the top three guys, um, I'd feel better about the hitting. Um, but I feel like we're like, you know, net net with hitting, if not a little bit under just for like that stretch run that Pujols had, the combination between the stretch run Pujols had and then the MVP years that your corners uh, and fielders had. Um, you know, you're going to not get as much production as they gave you. There's just, it's, it's unaskable. And then, uh, you know, that stretch, the pools gave you that production. Like you're, you're going to need that at times throughout the year. And I don't know who that's going to come from, uh, cause your outfielders are still kind of questionable year in and year out. We're confident that they're questionable. I could say, um, and which ones are going to do well? Is it going to be sustainable? So I still have, a, I think I have a lot of questions on the hitting side that only can really be answered at this point in time through either a trade and or just like let them start playing and let's see what happens. So it's kind of Agreed. where I'm at with them. Yeah, I think that uh, it is, it's definitely in this weird conglomeration of where it's at because I totally agree. I think the big, the biggest need on paper that the Cardinals had was catching in terms of their offense. That it was like, okay, <laughs> what Molina and Herrera and Kisner combined to do last year was atrocious. Laughable. Got got upgrade there, and they did. Contreras very much checks that box. Yeah, true. Um, what is he, he gonna hit in the lineup? Like five, three, um, three? Can hit yeah, three. Yeah, I. I would imagine he's probably hitting behind Arenado would be my expectation. Yeah. I, I think you're likely going to see a combination of like, like because Newbar has like very, has very good, like on base percentage when he got called back up, I think you possibly see him at the top of the lineup. Um, 
Edmund up there. You could go back to seeing Edmund Carlson in the one-two hole. Um, and then obviously Goldie Arenado, three-four. And then you're looking at like Contreras, O'Neill, five-six. Um, and then seven, eight, nine, you're looking at some mix of like Donovan, Newt Bar, Yepes, or if Donovan or Newt Bar are up at the top of the lineup, whoever got shifted down, whether that's Carlson or Edmund. <clears throat> so I, I think, I think the lineup is there. Like it makes sense with what that makeup's going to look like. But I think for me, it's essentially the same team in different positions as what it was last year. So, mm-hmm. so yes, Contreras is going to get you better numbers than what, you know, what the catchers put up. But I mean, he, he had 416 at bats last year. Pools had just over 300. Um, Contreras had 22 home runs. Pools had 24. Contreras at 243, Pujols at 270, uh, Contreras at 55 RBIs, Pujols at 68. Um, On-base percentage was 349 for Contreras to 345 for Pujols. Um, like OPS was 895 for Pujols to 815 for Contreras. So very comparable numbers. So if you look at it as like, yes, the year that Pujols had was probably an anomaly. Like if you re-signed Pujols, you probably aren't getting that same guy. But at the end of the day, that is what he put up last year. And in 2023, so really Contreras is just replacing Pujols' output. So now it is whoever you have DH, you know, and who's shifting into the slot for Pujols on a regular basis, which my assumption would be probably best bet it's Yepes. Yeah. I think it's Yepes. And, you know, he played 76 games last year. So, smaller same size, about half a season. Had the 12 home runs. So, if he can if he can continue that pace, 24 home runs, 60 RBIs, uh, hit 250, on-base percentage a little under 300. Um, so, so, comparable, you know, to, to what Pujols and Contreras put out. But, again, it is that big question mark. What does that look like when he is playing every day? In addition to that, you had Corey Dickerson. Well, Dickerson started very slow, but he hit 270, like 267 on the year, 36 RBI, six home runs, uh, played in 96 games. So you're like, okay, like we who who's gonna make up for that addition? You know, it's who are who's gonna who's going to eat those at bats. Um, you know, Bader played 72 games, hit 260, um, had the 15 stolen bases, 21 RBIs, couple home runs, you know, decent number of extra base hits. So you're like, all right, well, between Dickerson and Bader being gone, Carlson was already in the outfield every day, and Newt Barr was terrible at the beginning of the year. And then you had him at the end of the year when the Cardinals were playing really good baseball. So you're not really adding Newt Bar. So the addition is either Tyler O'Neill is going to play more or, you know, Yepes will play more in the outfield or there's some other unknown. So I, so I think that that to me is like at face value, the assumption you can make is 
Contreras and Yepes will kind of be the equivalent of replacing Pujols, Dickerson, Bader as a combination. So where you really need like better numbers to show up for the Cardinals to really be better is Tyler O'Neill. Like that, that'll be where the same conversation we had last year. (laughs) Yep. Now the other caveat to all of this is you'll have Gorman for the entire year, but how much playing time does he get? Cause you, you are like in, in the lineup that we talked about, Gorman wasn't listed. So maybe you're platooning Yepes and Gorman, Gorman against righties, Yepes against lefties. So then Yepes really isn't getting that much, that many starts. So now Yepes isn't really in the mix to replace those numbers. Um, but then also, how much do does Goldschmidt and Arenado regress? Like, is Goldschmidt going to have another MVP season? Because if he doesn't, those are also numbers that other people need to make up. That's what I'm saying, yeah. That's, I mean, they're not going <laughs> to yeah. have bad seasons, but they're just not going to have, like... Right, like, they're going to have seasons. normal like, seasons. They're still going to be looking at replacing, you know, 10 to 15 home runs and 30 or 40 RBIs, you know? Yeah, like, like if they... Combined. If you say that they both hit 25 home runs and have, and they do 90 RBIs, 25 home runs and 90 RBIs, that would be taking away 10 home runs from Goldschmidt <laughs> and yeah. 25 RBIs. And then five home runs from Arenado, so 15 home runs total, and it would be 13 RBIs. So, you know, 15 home runs and like 40 RBIs that they're not accounting for. The only other player, let's see, the only other player on the Cardinals that hit 15 home runs or more last year was Albert Pujols. Uh, Gorman hit 14, O'Neill hit 14, and Newt Bar hit 14. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Molina or Yepes at 12. So, again, like, yes, Yepes will get more bats, but there will be at bats taken away. So, I, I feel like it's just different names with the same lineups. <clears throat> you know, and then you still have behind Contreras, who um, I think he only, I think he played in, what was it? How many games did he play in last year? Uh, He played in 113 games, and I think like a third of those. Yeah, so he, he only caught 72 games last year. For the Cubs. Did he play DH so much? Uh, he DH'd in 39 games. But he only played in 113. Yeah, and he because he was injured, right? Uh, I think so. Um, so, if, if his injuries continue... So, yes, he was hurt last year. But he only played in 128 games in 2021. So, it's 15 more. Um, 2019, he only played in 105, uh, 2018, he did hit like 138 and then 2017, it was 117 and that was like his first full year up in the majors. So he's only played over 120 games twice. 
in the, you know, call it the five full seasons because he played 57 games in 2020, but there were only 60 games to be played. Um, so he hasn't... So he doesn't have necessarily, like, the, the greatest track record where, like, Molina would catch... Yadio Molina, yeah. Yeah, like where Molina would catch 140 games a year. You aren't going to get that from Contreras. And when Contreras isn't catching then you're likely going to have Kisner or Herrera behind the plate. But on top of that, you're not sitting those guys. Like, you're not sitting Contreras, most likely. So if he's going to DH in a third of his games, so call it, say he, he plays every game, that's 54 games that he DHs. Well, that's 54 starts for Kisner or Herrera, whoever it is. But that's also 54 games that Yepes or Gorman are not playing. You know, or or if they put Yepes at first base and they give Goldschmidt a day off, you know, whatever. But it is another, it is a game, like it is 54 times a year, you know, once every series that you are starting Kisner or Herrera and sitting the guy that you think is going to add as, that's supposed to be part of your offense. Because what yeah. Contreras is supposed to fix is not having those, you know, knuckleheads starting all the time because they weren't putting up any offense. So if they're in the lineup, well, then it is like then Contreras 100% is just pools as the DH and Kisner and Herrera or Molina are starting. And at least when Molina was behind the plate, you had Molina's defense behind the plate and Contreras isn't even remotely close to that. So, So there's definitely some left to be desired. Not that the team can't be good or that like, you know, not that O'Neill can't be better, but I think that you're probably going to see a similar offensive output to what the team had this last year. If everyone performs like closer to expectations, I guess. Is the best way to say it, you know, which don't get me wrong. I mean, they had a, a gigantic run differential, you know, top five in the NL, you know, top, you know, top seven in the league um, in terms of run, run differential. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know that they that they did what they needed to to really make the team better. I think they just held the status quo. And then when it comes to pitching, where like where I agree with you that they were a good pitching team, like stats should represent that, you know, kind of any way that you cut it. But they're still at this point where they have a ton of question marks and you don't know what you're going to get. And that's why they continuously add guys at the trade deadline. Like two years ago, it was John Lester and Jay Happ. Uh, this good one, it, you know? Yeah. This last year it was Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana, you know, and then they, they brought Wayno back and yep. Wayno was, was good when he was healthy. And then there was he dead arm or mechanics or whatever, whatever you want to call it. That's fine, but he ran into that issue. Um, 
he's probably due for like an injury riddled season that's probably been a minute for him and he's 40 years old um what it's been like what do say it's like every third full year that he kind of got hurt uh like since he had the injury yeah, cause it was like 2015 then he was healthy in 16 17 then 2018 he was injured and it was 2019 but then he had 2020 off and then he got the 206 innings pitched in 2021 and then 191 innings pitched in 2022 and if you count in the 65 innings from 2020 it was like that dead arm would have hit kind of right around you know, the end of this season. So if it, if that track record holds, like Wayno's probably going to be due for some arm injuries this season. Um, so he may not be 100%. Um, and then after that, you have Miles Michaelis, you have, you know, Jack Flaherty will ideally be healthy. Um, and then you still have Montgomery. And then you have kind of a combination of a few guys. Like you still have Mats, you still have Dakota Hudson, you know, you have younger guys like Libator that you could bring up. Um, you know, Jake Woodford could be an option. Zach Thompson could be an option. So all, all the names we've talked about previously, <clears throat> but you know, you're, you're just in like, I don't understand the point of, yeah, you know, look, looking at like the the depth chart, for example, that's currently on the Cardinals website, they don't have Steven Matz on there, which is the guy that you're paying eleven million dollars a year to right now. Is he still on the IL? Um, is he getting depth chart? I don't believe so. Because yeah. he's still part of the, he's still listed on the forty man roster, and he's not marked as like the sixty day IL. And you know, like they and they just have like Matt Libertor as the fifth starter. I don't think that that'll be accurate. Uh-uh. Um, I think that it'll probably be Matts or Hudson. Um, and then the bullpen again, like it's not that it was terrible, but you just don't have that high-end leverage guy in your bullpen, like. Um. And I like, because they're also not listing Genesis Cabrera on here, so I don't I don't know what they're doing with the depth chart. But you figure Mozinga. Yeah, but you figure you have Halsley, Gallegos, Cabrera, you have Stratton, who you just brought in, um, you have Hicks, you have Verhagen. You have Wilkin Rodriguez, who you picked up in Rule 5. So if you don't keep him on the Major League roster, you have to give the option to give him back to the Yankees. So you figure he's going to eat a spot to start. So, and then just, just among those guys, like now you still have Woodford, Thompson, Pallante, Hudson, you know, Libertor say you get if you give the fifth starting spot to Mats. So you have like five guys that are major league ready 
four of those being starters. So maybe you keep them all in Memphis. <laughs> but it, it's just like, all right, like, why, why did they not go after a starter somewhere? You know, like, is, is there, is the move for them just going to simply be, okay, Wayno's a free agent. Okay. Michaelis is a free agent. Um, okay. Montgomery's a free agent. I think Flaherty and Hudson are free agents. Um, I'm bringing it up right now. I, I think they're arbitration. Flaherty's got to be coming to the three. Coming to the end. Ready to try to go out to California. Um, yeah, so Flaherty is arb three. Hudson is arb two. So he'll be a free agent after 2024. Um, Hicks is a free agent after 2023. Flaherty is a free agent after 2023. So it'll be Wayno, Michaelis, Montgomery, Flaherty that are all free agents come the end of this next season. Um, so it could just be that they're letting it ride. And then in 2024, when, you know, Diamond Sports Group has to claim bankruptcy and Bally Sports goes away and the Cardinals lose uh, their TV deal. All the money. Yeah, they're just going to be like, okay, this is our response. We're not going to go into the starting pitching market. We're just going to go with the kids that we have. And you're going to look at a rotation of like Hudson, uh, Libertor, Woodford, Thompson, you know, maybe Gordon Graceffo's ready to be called up by that point in time. And it's just these five rookies, you know, or four rookies plus Hudson that that's the, the rotation you're looking at going with. <clears throat> and again, like, not a not a bad play, you know. Could be a lot of upside, could be a lot of fun if they all hit, but the likelihood that they all hit, and I guess you would have mats in the mix in there somewhere. Um, but it's just the likelihood that they all hit is probably at low the same odds. Time. They're all gonna be hitting at the same time too. Yeah, it's probably low odds that that works yeah. out that way. Um, and so I guess like my, my worry at that point, because then you, you come to a point where like, all right, well, if it's going to, like, if your if your rotation kind of falters and you're pitching, you're trying to work out what you got pitching and that takes a year or two to kind of shake out who you're willing to move. You make some moves, you add through some free agency, some things don't work out. You make some more moves, you know, you kind of get it back to where a good spot all right, now now we're ready to compete again type deal. Like, now we're going to go all in. We're going for a World Series. But now you're, you know, you're like, what, Goldschmidt would be one year left in his contract, two years left in his contract? Oh, well, so he's also a free agent after 2024. And then one is Arenado's contract up. He's got five years left. Yeah, so he's through 2027. So one, two, three, four, yeah, five. 
So, yeah, so I, so I feel like they're going to have quite a lot on their plate that they're trying to figure out come 2024. You know, it's like in the next year or two, like there's a lot of a lot of big moves that they'll need to make. And you'll have a lot of guys like, you know, so when Goldschmidt hits free agency, you also have O'Neill hitting free agency, Hudson hitting free agency, um, Edmund and Helsley will be a year away from free agency at that point. Uh, Cabrera are, yeah, Cabrera will be hitting free, will be a year away from free agency. You know, I guess Matt's at that point will be a free agent. So it could just look much different. You'll have DeYoung going away by that time. Woo. <laughs> Finally, because we haven't even thrown his name around in any of this, he's getting a raise this year. What I think he bumps up to, yeah, he he bumps up from six to nine million, mm-hmm. and then there's the club option for 2024 and 2025. So he could be gone after this year. But to me, I think that that's perfect for you know a guy that you could trade. You know, and I I think that it would be worth, like, I don't think you're going to give him, I don't think anyone's going to be willing to give him a uh, a qualifying offer. So trade him at the beginning of the year, I don't think, does anything for you. But I think it just lets you clear up this roster spot. Because I don't really know what purpose he's going to serve. Uh, it's to that Mac Alfrender spot, you know, where he's holding it for somebody else for next year. <laughs> If we we're going to be complaining about it all year, don't worry about it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, And then I, I feel like the Yankees, I feel much better about yep. where they were at. Um, there, there's still, still some things that I would have liked to have seen addressed, but uh, you know, it is, you know, uh, Trevino, uh, Trevino and Higashioka and then Ben Rortvet, which may or may not be a real person. I don't know. He's been hurt since they traded for him. Uh, but Trevino coming off a platinum glove was an all-star. Higashioka, I think, is a great backup. Um, so I'm not mad about that. Um, Rizzo at first is fine. Torres at second, I'm okay with. Uh, Donaldson at third leaves some to be desired, but you know, he's a free agent. I knew I was going to have two years with him anyway. Um, IKF, same thing, but then you have Peraza and Cabrera and Volpe that are, you know, knocking at the door. So if those guys struggle, they're easy pieces that you can try to move or you just bench them and you can call these guys up and give them playing time. Um, judge and right Bader and center. Left field is a big question mark. Um, I think Peraza could see a lot of playing time there, just like he did at the end of last year. I don't want it to be Aaron Hicks. I would have been fine with Benintendi coming back, but he, you know, signed with the White Sox. If they trade for Reynolds, that would be fucking phenomenal. Like, I would be all for that. Um, Stanton as a DH. You, You get what you get. I just hope he stays healthy, you know. Um, but then, like, Everson Pereira, uh, Esteban Floreal, like the young kids that are going to be 
the backups. Like I'm I'm on board with all of that. Um, and then they have LeMahieu that can float between first, second, and third to you know give guys days off. All of that seems very very even keel with what they had last year. It's basically the same lineup um, with the addition of like it was Aaron Hicks as a starter and now it might be Peraza. It was Marwin Gonzalez coming off the bench and now it might be Oswaldo Cabrera. Um, so got a little younger filling in those bench spots with homegrown players. Um, obviously the rotation was great statistically last year, but it left a lot to be wanted. In my opinion, you know, you had like the beginning of last year, it was Cole, um, Cortez, Severino, Montgomery, Domingo Herman. And now you're looking at Cole, Carlos Rodon, Frankie Montaz, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, Montgomery gone in the trade. And then you have Herman that you probably could trade. Um, and even like Clark Schmidt is a guy you could look at dealing. Uh, bullpen. It'll look way different. Um, kind of. No Chapman, no Britton, but both those guys were hurt most of the year anyway. So not a not a big problem. Not a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so you'll they'll have Clay Holmes as a closer still. Um, Luizaga, Peralta, they brought in Lou Trevino. Uh, Michael King will be healthy. Um, they'll have, you know, Lucas Lucky will be healthy. They have Ron Marinaccio. Uh, the only thing I think I would like to see is them being, bring Chad Green back. So if that were like their eight bullpen arms, like Holmes, Luizaga. Oh, I forgot they signed Tommy Canely. So you're probably... So, <clears throat> so if they brought Canely back, it would probably be lucky that would go away. So it'd be like Holmes, Canely... Loizaga, Peralta, Trevino, King, Marinaccio, and then Chad Green. And you would have Peralta, Canely, uh, as your only lefties. So maybe they won't bring Green back and they'll just keep it Loizaga and it'll be... three lefties. So, yeah. So, I I think the bullpen will be fine. Um, if not, it'll be better because Britton and Chapman, again, weren't healthy and then they didn't perform well anyway. Um, and the big drawback last year was like Kane got hurt, Green got hurt. So, the guys that were, you know, helping out eating a bunch of innings and then clay holmes like fell apart for a bit so maybe he's kind of sketchy but i think the rotation is just significantly better like when yeah, your number two becomes done. your number five like that's a that's a good off season yeah can't be mad about that it was need garrett cole to figure out his uh his home runs no shit um, 
and and with that said, like Frankie Montas did not look great. In yeah, I think he'll be all right though. But I think he'll be all right. Yeah, so hopefully he it's turns that around in the middle of the year. You know, yeah. although he pitched in that division or like those teams, but still like it's hard to get used to that's what i say always say when players get traded like that first year the first half year like i'm not expecting a lot because it's just not fair it's just not as comfortable as it once was yeah like, you, you, gotta, you probably don't have a home yeah like you're probably just like living out of a hotel yeah imagine like if you've got a busy time going on at work and like you have a bunch of errands to run and you got you know you you got to go to dinner and you got to make sure you're at the store and all these things like baseball players still have all those things like yeah they have a lot of money but like like the life things still happen every day right like you got to make sure your shit's in order yeah i mean if they i would imagine if we made the move from the sunset hills location to the merits location like just without the pandemic being a thing like we just were like okay like starting in july you go to this other spot now i would imagine that come july things would come to like a screeching halt in terms of <laughs> how work gets done because mm-hmm. people would be like where's this meeting room where where's this desk at how can i go talk to this person in per in face to face now it won't it won't be as bad because you know like 90% of our company is remote, I feel. So it won't be much different. But if it went from like just everyone showing up in at the office at one location to everyone showing up at a different location, I think it would be pretty impactful for us. So it makes sense. And that's not even moving cities. That's just us yeah. working in a different building. <laughs> 10 minutes away. Yeah. So like <clears throat> I still get to come home to my normal home. And like I didn't even have to uproot all of my personal life stuff, you know. But like I don't, I don't know if he's married or has kids or anything. But yeah, it, it is, it is just different. Like there's a vast difference between spending like living on the west coast and living on the east coast. Like things are just different, um, especially at that time of year. Like I don't know how often he has been in the cold, you know, or yeah. how often he had to pitch in the cold. If you figure half it, like maybe not all of his starts were at home, but if you were playing majority of your games against Western division opponents, so even when you're on the road, it is most likely that you were pitching in the West, like in like the Southern Midwest over to the West coast being in Oakland, you know, you're, you're probably used to warmer weather. I mean, like I'm sure they have somewhat winters. It's not like Southern California, you know, when you're up, in the Bay area, but I'm sure they have nicer weather than, you know, it's warmer there than it is in New York. I bet. Yeah. So maybe that played a part and he had already had the shoulder injury that he was coming back from. So maybe he wasn't 100% to begin with. I, I agree. I think that, uh, he will have better production. I think he will figure it out. Um, it's also possible that he just goes full on sunny gray and he sucks in New York, and they just need to trade him, and he'll be fine elsewhere. <laughs> and like Sonny Gray just couldn't pitch in the Yankee uniform, um, who also came from Oakland. Just too much. Um, but Trevino and that trade has been great out of the bullpen. Um, you know Bader, I think will be great having him in center field every day. So a lot of things to look up for. But I, I feel like the biggest impact 
and again, like Carlos Rodon, like also some question marks. You know, you just gave a guy a big contract. Hopefully he can get it through, but, you know, he has huge strikeout stuff. Um, and I think that that's kind of what what plays for the Yankees. Um, you definitely aren't wrong with Cole needing to figure out how to keep the ball in the park. Um, and then they just need the offense to stay healthy. I mean, like Judge went down for a small, brief period of time last year. Stanton spent some good time hurt. Rizzo was hurt. LeMahieu missed the end of the year. Benintendi got hurt. Um, Hicks dealt with some injuries. You know, Bader obviously had the plantar fasciitis last year. So you got to keep that in check and make sure that, that doesn't come back. So they just... It's got to, if they stay healthy, I think that the team is certainly good enough to compete. Um, you know, they did not look great against Houston um, really at all, but I think a big bulk of that was the offense was decimated. Like the, like the lineup they were running out wasn't really what you expected the starting lineup to be for the Yankees in the postseason. You know, with the, you know, if you consider the trades they made and everything at the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, so when you're like, all right, here's the team we're going to win a World Series with, that was not the lineup they they had available to them. Um, and on top of that, Houston's fucking good. Yeah. So. Yep. And they didn't get any worse. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, <clears throat> but it it will be interesting to see what uh what the new coaches do for the Cardinals. I think, you know, the hitting coaches specifically, um, Dusty Blake, like the new pitching coach. I think I have maybe maybe I'm being too harsh on initial impressions. But he was in the video, like he was the video guy last year, like helping out the coaching staff and the pitchers. So it was 100% his job to catch that mechanical hiccup that Wayno had that led to him being so abysmal in the second half of the season that resulted in him not even throwing a pitch in the postseason. Um, That was 100% his job. Or maybe Wainwright was injured last year. Well, and that's what they that's what they started with was that it was the dead arm, yeah. and then he came out and said it was a mechanical thing. Yeah. It wasn't dead arm. Well, if it was yeah, a mechanical so thing, it was Dusty Blake's job to identify that through being a video guy and working with the coaching staff and the pitchers. Like he was involved in that process, and now he got promoted. Yeah, I was like, I feel like dead arm can be a mechanical issue, though. You know, it's like yeah, it's a fact. It's affecting your mechanics. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I'm not like disagreeing with you, and I'm definitely worried about the pitching coach position. But um, I feel like Wainwright just didn't want to go out and be like, well, I could have pitched, I could have pitched, blah, <laughs> right. blah. But like, because you really think about that, like, yo, yeah, the video guy could have kept it. But like, I, I, when I compare Adam Wainwright to anybody, it's always going to be Chris Carpenter. And give me Chris Carpenter last year, and he's pitching through whatever fucking Wainwright was trying to mechanical. If if Wainwright thought it was a mechanical issue, then 
Chris Carpenter would have been pitching through it. If the team thought it was dead arm, Chris Carpenter would have been pitching through it, you know? Right. And uh, as many times as we've talked about, even last year, like Wainwright running his own, hey, if I want to start, I'm starting. Leave me in. Don't take me out. Yeah, Don't it, take me out. I got this Mar next Ball's inning. It was, it was definitely call. no one's call in the organization except Wainwright. So I definitely put a lot of onus on him um, because he has made it that clear that, you know, I'll make my decisions. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I'm not a part of those conversations. So for all I know, Dusty Blake did bring it up and Mike Maddox was like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's fine. If there was a mechanical issue, Adam would know about it. I appreciate you trying to do your, your job, but we're good. That's the last, that's the last thing Adam (laughs) needs walking here and telling me he's got a mechanical issue. Don't be doing that. Yeah. We're all fretted up right now. Thanks, Dusty. Like, appreciate it. So, I I can't say that he didn't notice it. I can't say he didn't bring it up. I wasn't there. I just know it wasn't talked about, and it was thought to be something different. And Wayno is who thought it was something different. And then he noticed that he was his mechanics were out of whack. I guess because of there being some tired, you know, some weariness in his arm, whatever the case may be. It just it doesn't seem like Dusty Blake is the guy that has the uh, you know the ear of the team or the respect of the players. Um, based on that, like given what his job was and that this came out after the fact, I think it looks poorly on him. In addition to that, I know like Jeff Albert got promoted to go to another team. And Mike, Mike Maddox didn't come back because he wanted less responsibility, but he took literally the same exact job in Texas. Granted, I know, I think he is from Texas or that's where his family's at. So maybe yeah. being closer to home, he was willing to do the amount of work that goes into a pitching coach because he, like when he's working um, on a homestand, he is going to bed next to his wife and he can see his kids every day. And I, I imagine that that is just a game changer. You know, like that that is night and day. Like I can do the same job if it means I can see my family every day. So maybe it wasn't a Cardinals thing. Like he just wanted, if he was going to stay in the Cardinals organization, he wanted less responsibility so he could be home more. Like where he didn't have to travel with the team kind of thing. Like if it's a home stand, he could be in St. Louis. But when the Cardinals were on the road, he could be home because he was going to be working remote anyway kind of thing. Like maybe something like that. I don't know. Um, but it's just with their, like, it, it seems, it seems odd that Marmol came in and then they have a whole new coaching staff, <laughs> but at the same, like, and it was like the same thing with Schilt. And I think Maddox did the same, uh, Maddox, um, Matheny did the same thing. Like it's pretty normal when there's a new, you know, manager that they, get eventually have like their own crew like right. they hire their coaches judged here i'm gonna be judged with the guys i pick around me right so it it's reasonable but then at the same time like so like albert got promoted like he got a, a higher job in another organization um maddox had the personal stuff so he did the same job but certainly makes more sense for him to be willing to do it in Texas versus willing to do it in St. Louis. And then skip got promoted. So it's like, 
is this Marmol trying to make a, you know, make a statement like these are the guys that I want? Was it these guys not wanting to work with Marmol? Was it that really all of these guys just were great at what they did and other organizations had better offers and they saw greener pastures, you know, for what they were doing? Like the position that Albert has, I don't even know that that exists in the Cardinal organization, like director of hitting. I don't even fucking know if that is. I've never heard that position before. Is that uh? So, is that when you need to give uh, your hitting coach a raise? I guess. I guess you you're kind of like max out in salary in that. You just yeah, that, like yeah. hobo. Yeah, maybe. Like how? Like I don't want you to be our GM, but I want you to be our GM, and I want to give you more money. So here's this new title that we created. So it certainly Don't could be something like that. Gersh and the hitting coach all at the same time. Yeah. So it certainly could be something along those lines. But again, like I can't fault the Cardinals for not creating a position for Jeff Albert. And I'm not sad to see him go. I don't think he was anything special. Like, yeah, he seemed to do well with the kids in Memphis. But, you know, the like, – he, it hasn't equated to the major league level, at least. Whether it's guys not buying in or him not being able to to work with, you know, the top-level athletes and earn their respect, I don't fucking know. But he, he fixed a handful of kids when the Cardinals sent them down to Memphis because they weren't hitting. They would start to hit down there. Whether that's Albert or just a different level of competition, I don't know. But he seemed to get the job done, and then he just didn't do it at the major league level. So I'm assuming maybe it was the competition. Um, so either way, not not upset to see him go. I don't think he was anything spectacular. And then can't be mad about Skip getting a, a manager spot. And yep. can't be mad about the pitching coach situation. Um and then, like, Turner Ward was assistant hitting coach under Albert. So, if it it clearly wasn't an issue with Albert's method, because I would no, assume... they were going to give him another contract. Yeah, I'm assuming that Turner Ward has the same, you know, the, the same approach, or similar, at least. Um, and then they promoted Brandon Allen to the assistant hitting coach who was the hitting coach in Memphis for the last two seasons. So he had been working with all of the, you know, the Donovans and Gormans and, you know, Walker a little bit and Edmund and helped DeYoung get back on track last year and all that good stuff. So maybe he starts to find success because he knows a lot of the kids that'll be up here, you know, Burleson and Newt Barr and, you know, all of the young kids that made their debut last year that also were in Memphis in the course of the last two seasons where he was hitting coach. Um, so it, it all it all makes sense. You know, I don't know that there's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, I still think it's interesting that Matt Holliday was committed to go coach at Oklahoma State and then ended up taking the bench coach position here. And I th- I honestly think that that was because uh, Jackson went 
number one overall to Baltimore. And he was committed to go to Oklahoma State and play for his dad. And then when he got drafted number one, they're like, all right, I'm not going to school. I'm going to go play pro ball. And Matt was like, all right, well, my son's not coming here anymore, so I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm, going, I'm going back to the majors. I'm going to make more money. I don't give a shit about this club anymore. I was only gonna, I was only invested because I thought my son was going to play here. And I thought it would have been cool to coach my son to get him into the majors. But job done, number one overall out of high school. So. <clears throat> um, I think that kind of covers everything that I had. I'm trying to see if there's like any upcoming dates that it's like here's something to look for um i think what world baseball classic is in march oh really yeah yeah uh first round of pool play begins march 8th all the american players are all in yeah and uh yeah i don't think they played because it was every three years i think something i don't know i don't cause i don't think they um world baseball classic there's gotta be like a wikipedia page yeah because i don't know who won okay yeah so they it was 2006 2009 2000 like so i think they had it in 2006 and then they did it in 2009 because they wanted it to not be on the same years as the olympics so then they did it in 2009 and then it was every four years from there uh 2013 2017 so then it would have been 2021 but the 2020 Olympics got postponed to 2021 because of the pandemic. So I think they just pushed it out. Um, and so now they're doing it 2023. Um, so the, yeah, so the defending champs are the U S USA USA. I think it's a chance to have very long in uh, the World Cup. So. Very true. Um, yeah, and I think this will be like the largest field that they've had. I think it's going to like 20 teams. Yeah, should be fun. So that that's coming up. You know, as we're, I think it's like the, I just saw it's like the eighth through the twenty first. So to like lead up to the regular season getting ready to start. Um, and then I, I'm hoping to have fantasy wrapped up and have everything out 
by the end of the year and then I'll give everyone to like the end of January to pay me. Um, but I'm planning to like set draft day and when keepers are due and all that good stuff. But I don't know. I don't know if they have like a, a yeah, full guide to off season dates and whatnot. So I'm trying to see if there's anything else relevant. So I think it's just arbitration exchanges. It's like the next big thing. Um, yeah, because Rule 5 draft happened already. <clears throat> Non-tenders are done. Yeah, so I think the next thing is for the players that are in arbitration or that are arbitration eligible, they have till January 13th to come to a deal. And if they don't, then that's when it goes to, like they have to schedule a hearing for an arbiter. Or maybe like the 13th is like the last time frame that they can exchange arbitration details. It's like if a player wants to lower their amount, if they're willing to lower their amount or if a team's willing to raise that amount, then when they go to the arbitration hearing, those will be the numbers that get utilized because either the player wins or the team wins. There's no like middle negotiating in arbitration unless teams settle outside of arbitration. If that makes sense. And so that'll be like in a month. The next riveting part of... Um... Yeah, so other than that, it's just the normal run-of-the-mill player signing and whatnot. Yeah. So we get some trades actions. Yeah. We get a big trade, big trade, Cardinals, big trade, and going after a specific pitcher in Arizona, maybe? <laughs> hey, Merle? Hmm. Yeah, Merle? I, Merle? Yeah, I, I would say that I think on my – on my list of what I would like to see things do, I, I of course really like the Brian Reynolds trade, but I yeah. think what I would like to have happen along with that, because I think they need a good back end reliever. And so I think David Bedner would be a stellar option. Like they already got Clay Holmes from the Pirates just go out and get Bednar doing the same kind of thing. Um, he appeared in 45 games last year, had 19 saves, 2.61 ERA, 51 innings pitched, 69 strikeouts. Seems pretty stellar coming out of the bullpen. Um, career numbers, ERA below three, 130 innings pitched. Um, a big bulk of that was like the last two years in Pittsburgh where he's thrown 111 innings, uh, two, six, one ERA last year, two twenty three ERA in 2023, um, batting average against was two eighteen last year, one eighty five in 2021. He's only given up. He only gave up nine home runs each of the last two years. That's like as many as Cole gives up a month. Yep. That'd be nice. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, like, just 
just get that. Trade Donaldson. Trade, you know, they don't need a shortstop. It's like, trade them Donaldson. Eat that contract. Like, just give them Donaldson for, like, next to nothing. And then include, like, uh, Clark Schmidt and, like, uh, Estevan Floreal. You know, something like that. Like, a young pitcher, a young outfielder in exchange for Reynolds and Bednar. And eat, like, and give them Donaldson and eat Donaldson's contract. Or, a, a, like, or see if they'll, like, split. Like, if they'll... If they'll take on like half of Donaldson's contracts, and so I you can, you're only paying, you know, eleven million, twelve million this year to Donaldson instead of whatever the fuck god awful amount he's making. <clears throat> because if you have Reynolds, now you don't have the outfield spot to tuck Peraza and to get playing time, so you need to open up third base, and then it would be like Peraza, Cabrera, Volpe covering that combination of positions if ICAF doesn't get his shit together. Yeah, we'll be drafting that guy next year. <laughs> yeah. I'll, Which means he'll do really good. Probably. What you need to do is not draft him and then pick him up in free agency immediately. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <clears throat> because then you know he'll put up tons of points, making him like a 10th round keeper so to be dog shit if you draft him like the 24th round we're like all right i'm gonna snag up on him late you know very low risk high reward type pick then he'll just do dog shit and you'll drop him in week three you know when he's negative six points on the first two weeks so i need to draft a bit of short stop next year yeah i will say it was real nice having trey turner at the end of the year, <laughs> it was, I was not mad about like just a lineup that I could just let run and do their thing. Yeah, I have to start thinking about how I want to defend my title. Oh, defend it. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully you'll defend your title, then I'll defend mine. Ooh. Yep. We'll be good to go. Two more weeks. Just going to squeak a bye this week. Um,. Let's see, as far as recording, I imagine we're at least going to take the next two weeks off um, just because holidays. Holidays, Um, So we'll see. Uh, So I'd expect either like three or four weeks, you know, whatever. We'll find, we'll record sometime in January for sure. At At least one episode in January. Yeah. So keep an eye out. Um, hopefully things shake out a little more. We have a little bit better idea of uh, what our teams are looking to do. Maybe there'll be some fun trades or signings to talk about. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. It's fun to be back. Glad we didn't go eight hours. <laughs> Almost though. <laughs> Almost. Um, but yeah, until next time. Stay cool. Peace. Bye.